thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey, lovely listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on Wellness Moon Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And Ash, I just realized that we've done so many episodes um, where it, we've been interviewing people lately. Yeah. Like we haven't had just you and me for a little while. So this is so good. It is, except as everyone will probably hear now, my voice is rubbish. So I do apologize <laughs> for everyone listening. I'm actually going to like land over, land, hand over to Andrea tonight because my uh, I've just been smashed with like recurrent laryngitis. It's brutal. So everyone else oh, who's out totally. there feeling the same thing. Um, yes, I feel you and it's rough. And I think this winter in Australia, I'd be very few families I meet that are not like, oh my gosh, back to back something, um, with, you know, Ollie at school for the first time this year, it's just like coming home. (laughs) It's been so rough. So trying to laugh about it. immune system of yours um yes, yes. With Elliot school and we talk about health expressions in our household you know it's a health expression it's uh but still part of me is just like can we just get healthy please <laughs> and ash because you're also like constantly sleep deprived as well yes just with you know obviously little baby ella um you're always just going to be on that back foot what are you doing mm. for your laryngitis what are you taking oh taking gosh you know like as in i feel sorry for anyone close to me just trying to do the old garlic and uh awesome. 
Um, for me, I'm just a herbal tea queen with um, yeah. some uh, honey in there. Obviously, the best form. So um, get out, the, get out the you know the raw, real honey, and just try and soothe the vocal cords a bit. But yes, yeah, scratchy to say the least. So I do apologise mm-hmm. if you're trying to fiddle with your you know sound controls right now. No, it's not your your podcast. <laughs> it's me. It's my voice. I reckon you sound great. You got that Ooh, slight edge of huskiness, husky. which um, people would have paid a fortune for a while ago. <laughs> and do you know what? It's probably good because I occasionally get criticized. Ashley, you talk too fast. Slow down. So this is kind of slowing me down. So, you know, I'll, I'll t- I take the criticism on the chin. I do get it. But um, everyone who knows me knows that when I get pretty excited about something, my mouth runs faster than I can possibly, you know, control. And I think that's a little bit of my like almost like super, super speed, um, the yeah. way I run. So, uh, yeah, but I do apologize. I also think that part of the reason why you do that is that we listen to everything and learn everything in like 1.5 or, or double time. <laughs> so so I have to actually consciously like slow down when we record because I'm so used to it, like everything going so fast and trying to absorb as much information. Now, if I listen to anything just on normal speed, Oh my, it's snore, like so slow. I can't handle it. And I don't think that's a good thing because, you know, it obviously is um, a product of just our busy lifestyles and needing to get in, pack in information. But But it's so true, isn't it? We just want to consume things like fast, easy, you know, sort of uh, quick, quick, cheap, easy, that kind of like approach of just like everything's going to be super speed, you know, super cheap, like just all that stuff that's um, unfortunately we're all getting, I would say we're all getting kind of almost trained into that idea that that's how we receive information, teaching, education, training. Um, So which is a bit of a shame, but you know what? I, I get it though. So I'm kind of like not a critic critic of that because I'm like well you know fair call if you can process that because I know that I do like I know that I I take stuff on board so quickly when I'm listening to things like that and I wish back in the day at uni like I had all my recordings I'd have like been able to finish a five-year degree in like three I reckon (laughs) totally (laughs) you know just listening to it one and a half time I'd get through the content and uh submitted all my assessments before I even uh you know had the live session at uni it was so funny when I started to get two of my courses on an online version I was like awesome I can go to work then I can get home I can listen to it into double speed cut out the the breaks so I don't have to waste any time I was like this is like super functional this should be uni like across the board so it was the early days before you know uni was an online normal it was uh trialing the online class modules um it worked for me until i heard someone have a go at me on on the recording <laughs> oh about talking fast oh it's so but, funny um ash they also have the capacity to slow that down too so don't worry yes um, no, that's okay and, and I think, I think you know, and I, I take it, the critique on the chin. So, ladies, you know, feel free to give us a positive, negative feedback. I'm always about both because I think it does help us make improvements. It, uh, <laughs> it did definitely help me go, okay, Ash, slow down and articulate your, your words a little bit better. Uh, but I do know the ones where I'm slurring. It's probably we've done it at 9.30 at night and I'm like, okay, bedtime. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. But anyway, tonight's a fun one. I'm really glad we're doing this one because it was yeah. not too long ago we actually taught this to um, our peers and it was a an amazing event and you were an absolute star presenting this so i feel like it's perfect you you should just you know roll this one out tonight because um (laughs) it's it's something we're both really passionate about you know we talk about in our practices all the time and um try and as well dispel a lot of the myths around sort of the prenatal Mm. nutrition because there's a lot of rubbish out there you know i hear being told to do a bunch of different things i think 
really? That's an interesting recommendation. Um, so tonight we're not going to worry about what's, you know, not right. We're just going to focus on what is. And that yeah. way you can sort of take on board um, what we'd call, you know, our preconception essentials uh, so that you know that prior to pregnancy and through pregnancy, what are the best things, you know, for you, for your body, for growing a beautiful new, you know, little life form that, yeah. you know, is rapidly multiplying and, and that means you need, you know, perfect, amazing, wonderful building blocks. Um, so for me, I really believe the future is built on the foundation of, you know, the health of the mother, um, that yeah. our children, the children we conceive and, and grow and birth into this world is a product of, you know, our health. So taking that full responsibility for that is um, it's exciting as much as it is daunting for some women. Uh, so we want to take out the daunting and just say, let's just be excited about this. You know, how can we grow, yes. you know, beautiful little human beings? Oh, Ash, so good. And that's such a good um, way to frame it as well because you're absolutely right. Your health and therefore the health of the egg that you conceive with and the health of the sperm that um, fertilizes that egg is going to dictate the health of that baby for its entire life. Mm -hmm. So doesn't it just make sense to do the things, you know, in this preconception time to make sure that you're optimizing the health of that baby forever? Uh, And you're absolutely right when you said the health of the mother dictates the health of the baby. And it's even the health of the grandmother that dictates the health Mm. of that baby as well. And um, that is sort of speaking to this tri-generational or transgenerational impact of health that starts with, especially if um, your grandmother was pregnant with your mother. So this is on your mother's side. Yeah, it's it's that maternal lineage because um, she is carrying that girl, which is your mum, in utero is when you have the most amount of eggs that you will ever have. So these are, this is the potential next generation after that. So that's that third generation. I don't know if I'm doing a very good job explaining this, but um, essentially what I want you to think about, ladies, is that everything that you do in your lifetime is preconception care, absolutely everything. But then we take that a couple of steps further and we go, everything that your mother and your grandmother did is also part of your preconception care. But there's only so much that you can control. And that's what this episode is about. What can you control? And Um, I'm not a fan of women taking, you know, 15 different supplements or all sorts of different things because, you know, that still has to be processed through the body. And we want to try and encourage that innate intelligence and that proper health um, all the time. And in this prenatal period, this is the time when I get really specific about the nutrients that a woman needs. And I heard, um, I think it was another naturopath say um, once, if you want to see what minerals or nutrients you should be supplementing with, particularly when you're trying to conceive, look at the minerals that they're supplementing the sheep and cattle with, because then you'll know what's deplete from our soils. And I thought that was actually really clever mm-hmm. because we do know that over time um, and with, you know, all of this industrialized farming and everything else that's been going on, that our soils are not what they used to be, which means that the produce that we're eating has a different nutrient content than what it ever has before, which is why there's now a need to supplement that in our diet so that we can have those optimal nutrients that will allow for everything to work the way we want it to and will dictate um, proper development of that embryo and fetus and baby. 
Yeah, and I love that we're talking about, obviously, you know, the female factor here, but I'm, I'm still all about the guys as well. You know, the, totally. the sperm health is 50% of the genetic <laughs> component of this baby. So, yeah, with regards to, you know, that preconceptive health, you know, like you said, this soil depletion is such a, a big role in why, you know, historically I probably wouldn't have give me 10, 15 years ago, I wasn't too excited about supplements. I was like, no, whole food diet is how you get all what you need. But it's become really apparent in the research, you know, over the last few years that it's a genuine and legitimate concern that we're not getting the levels of micronutrients in our food. So we can't just say having a whole foods diet is enough. Um, And that's a bit sad actually, but depending on where you live and where you get your produce from, I mean, we're really fortunate here in Western Australia. You know, Andrew and I are both here on the West Coast. We have some incredible, you know, producers down Southwest with biodynamic farming principles, you know, grass-fed, you know, grass-raised livestock. Like we're really, really blessed and a very um, rich soil base. Um, But I don't know that anywhere else where there's monocultured practices, then that soil is incredibly dead, you know, for a better word. That's why they do have to use so much fertilizer and, and supplement the earth to be able to supplement, you know, the cattle that are raised on it or the, the produce that's being grown in that soil. So, um, you know, and when I was thinking about preconception nutrition as well, um, unless you're, you know, really familiar with your own body based on previous pregnancies, there's no real way of knowing if you're going to get hit with, you know, say, for example, really bad morning sickness or um, HG or anything like that. Because if your, you know, health is not good before conception and you get hit with like 16 weeks or more of like just me, like I nibbled on corn thins and apple slices for like 14 weeks. I mean, you cannot yeah. tell me that there was a good balanced nutrient intake at that point in my pregnancy I know there wasn't and I really couldn't stomach anything else even my prenatal supplements were struggling like they'd make me feel worse than I felt before I took them so I was really comfortable leaning on that innate intelligence going I was so sufficient before I conceived exactly I know my body has enough there to ride out these first 12 weeks I've got enough, you know, nutritional sufficiency to make sure my baby's being grown on the best possible substrate. Um, You're absolutely spot on, Ash. And the work that you did in that prenatal or that preconception time would have definitely had that lead over into that first trimester for you while you were feeling so crappy. And a lot of the really essential nutrients that we need is in that very early stage of pregnancy. You know, sometimes even in those first four weeks is when, for example, Mm -hmm. folate is so, so critical, sometimes before even women know that they're actually pregnant. Um, EPA, DHA, you know, your your critical um, development neurology speaking so and tell me i love like i'm just going to dive in and ask you these questions because i know that you can then just unpack it but um i know for a lot of women they go well how long should i be preparing my body for yeah yeah. Oh, that's so good. And Ash, I just want to, um, before we move on quickly, um, to say, you know how you were feeling so crappy and so unwell and you knew that you're, um, you were struggling. And that is because um, I have this saying that pregnancy is a stress test for life, right? It you know, it's obviously asking your body to do things that it's never done before. That birth process is just the most miraculous thing that is just, you know, it blows my mind each and every time, you know, a woman brings their baby in or they're pregnant. It's just incredible what the female body can do. Um, But it is absolutely going to highlight any 
you know, medical issues, any um, deficiencies, any any slight sort of um, things that are going to go on that's going to come to the surface either during that preconception time, during pregnancy or postnatally. Um, and Ash, for you and I, this is also how I knew that you were pregnant with a girl, like your um, morning sickness with Ella. I was like so certain. I'm like, yep, yeah, she's definitely having a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think I knew. I think I knew, but it was just that that cautious. You know, I don't want to be feeling, you know, like gender disappointed. Uh, yeah. But I'll, I'll take it on if this is what it takes to you know have a little girl. Then that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and that preconception time. It depends on um, the the health of the the mum and the dad, so the the male like the the couple before they start trying. But I've got patients that are coming into me now that are thinking twelve months in advance to start. Um, preparing their body, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And I think that part of that attitude is because we now are in this absolute fertility crisis where fewer couples are able to conceive, more couples are um, having issues with, um, you know, infertility. Infertility stats are rising so dramatically and so quickly. And there's also a really increased rate of miscarriages as well. Um, so even in Australia, the fertility rates at the moment are the lowest they've ever been. And the current stats we have are from 2020. So imagine what they're going to be post-COVID. I just know it's going to be, you know, there's going to be an even further decline. Um, and that is happening worldwide as well. There was an article that came out in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago um, talking about uh, South Korea is now in such a fertility crisis that um, th- it's actually so fundamental for all of their their social and human history that they're not sure what they can do about it. And what's um, the underlying sort of hypothesis? Do they reflect well, on that question? Well, they seem to think that it is um, like generally speaking, they're putting it down to things like better education, better contraception, less child labor, women are in in the workforce. Yes, Mm -hmm. but they're not talking about those things. They're not talking about the biggest thing is that couples are actually less able to have children. Mm. They're just looking at going, oh, you know, this is a a different type of workforce. They've got different priorities and all those sorts of things. That's not the case. It's the fact that they're less able to have children. Mm. And that is for so many reasons that we've talked about before, in my opinion. And, you know, that is a combination of the fact that everybody's a hormonal mess. Um, we're stressed out of our minds. Um, you know, we've got all like such escalating levels of autoimmune conditions, health issues. Um, you know, women are going into um, having, they have premature sort of um, ovarian failure or ovarian decline and everything else. We've got really poor sperm quality. But a really big factor is the fact that we're actually all having children later as well. Mm-hmm. And there is that very significant age-related fertility decline that no amount of um, assisted reproductive technology like IVF or, um, you know, those sorts of technologies can overcompensate for that age-related fertility decline. Um, So it's a combination of our crappy health, huge stress levels, endocrine-disrupting stuff, and the fact that we're getting older. And peak fertility is around, what, 24, 25 years in females? And the decline starts around... Um, from then on, 
yeah. which okay. is fairly um, scary to think about, but it's statistically significant from 35. Yeah. Yeah. So peak fertility for women is at 25, but who's ready emotionally f- well, physically, yes, but emotionally, financially, spiritually. I don't know, just like uni, like we had five year degrees. <laughs> I know. There's no way I would have yeah. been ready to be in the type of relationship to be able to commit to someone the way you would when you have a child. That's a yeah. commitment for life. That's yeah. so much more of a commitment yeah. than marriage, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that I, I think our priorities are all very, very different these days. So from 25 is the peak. Definitely there's a decline from 30, but statistically significant and really significant from 35. Well, let's give our beautiful listeners the lowdown on what they can be doing. Okay. So um, when we put together a preconception care plan, we're always looking at, okay, what do we add in, take out, change or check? So those are the four things that I always look at. What do we take out, add in, take out, change or check. So we want to be adding in the right nutrients. Um, So obviously eating for fertility. So um, go back and have a listen to the podcast we did on eating for fertility because we dive into all the research, the ins and outs and everything else. Remember that your hormones are made of proteins, uh, fats and fiber. So those are the building blocks for that. We want really good quality versions with all all of our meals. We want to when it comes to food as well, we want to be taking out anything that's going to disrupt our hormones. So, um, you know, things like trans fats, um, soy, industrial seed oils, too much sugar. And I also take out gluten because celiac disease is a significant um, factor for um absorption of nutrients. It contributes to miscarriage. It can increase time to conceive. It can um, bring on early menopause. Um, And essentially, it just means that there's poor nutrient uptake as well. Um, And this removal of trans, um, when I was talking about trans fats as well, that's not just for women. This is for men as well. Um, Obviously, when as part of this adding in section, so what are we going to add in as well as all of these great nutrients from your foods? And obviously, we want to have large amounts of fruits and veggies and really good quality omega-3 fatty acids from fish and walnuts and those sorts of things, but just making sure we're avoiding those high mercury fish loads. So those really, really big fish. And for um, me as well, really organic as as much as possible. Totally. You know, check yep. out uh, the Dirty Dozen Clean 15 just to give you a rundown exactly. on which sort of produce you might want to invest your money in to purchase as an organic product. Um, and then others you might be, you know, more comfortable just having off the shelf regular produce. But, you know, at the end of the day, the chemicals we put into our body is um, going to dictate as well the effect on fertility, but also anything we pass on to our children. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and we know that all of those chemicals are found in cord blood and everything else. So um, it, it does cross the placenta barrier and it's really significant. So when we are adding in things, this is normally when we get to the point of looking at a really great prenatal supplement. And I always recommend that women are taking this a minimum of three months prior to trying. So ideally three to four months before conception. Um, and most dietary supplements um, that women take prenatally that might be recommended to them by their sort of primary care practitioner or they're buying over the counter um, are often re- like the, the popular ones are really poor quality. They've got cheap ingredients in them and they're not a therapeutic dose. So I 
I did a deep dive into all of this, particularly because we were teaching this to practitioners as well and um, unpacked so much research around what is the right levels of certain nutrients, what sort of types of nutrients do we want as well. And the really common over-the-counter ones might have like one-twentieth of the vitamin D levels that you need. And vitamin D is one of the most important nutrients for fertility, hormone balance, and preconception as well, or, or conception. It, it's involved in so much. So um, vitamin D levels have been shown to dramatically increase, if you're deficient, increase the time to conceive. It's one of the most important independent risk factors for things like preeclampsia, low birth weight, preterm weight, preterm birth. Um, and also not to mention, it just is involved in the normal formation of those steroid hormones, the normal formation of those ovarian follicles that will then release that egg. It aids with implantation angiogenesis, so that blood flow to the ovary um, or the egg, it actually facilitates the fertilization of that egg in the first place and also is stimulating that production of progesterone and estrogen as well as regulating those thyroid hormones, which is critical in that preconception time as well because bub has to completely rely on mum's thyroid hormone until 12 weeks. So the only way to know as well about vitamin D levels yes. is to test it, right? Because um, yeah. you know Australia is a country with plenty of sunshine. There's no shortage of sun, but we actually have an endemic of vitamin D deficiency. So you know, even if you think, oh, but I get enough sunshine, the only way to really know is to test. So please uh, make sure you're doing your prenatal bloods so that you've got a good understanding of where your levels are at, um, so that you can also decide as well the dosage that you might find appropriate. So for me, you know, if someone's sufficient already, then maybe. Maybe the um, general recommendation of 1,000 IU uh, is sufficient. But if they're deficient, you're looking at 5,000 to 10,000 IU mm. daily to try and bring that back up. So, um, yeah. you know, particularly if you're looking for conception, you don't have time to sort of wait and see. You're really wanting to try and make that uh, that shift as quickly as possible. And, you know, vitamin D is so, so safe. Mm. Um, and there's only like very few known um cases of of vitamin D or iatrogenic toxicity with vitamin D. And that's normally with um, really poor versions of it, like vitamin D2. And we always recommend vitamin D3 because of its bioavailability and the way that it's used within the system. And if vitamin D is deficient, fertility is severely impaired. So that but your vitamin D level in your status is associated with that impaired fertility, but also you've got a high risk of endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, and as well as some of the other things that I mentioned before, like the preeclampsia, low birth weight, um, preterm birth, but even things like bacterial vaginosis and gestational diabetes have been linked to vitamin D deficiency. And the best fertility outcomes have been shown to be in women with serum levels of vitamin D of 75 nanomoles per liter and above. So I know I'm speaking in Australian terms there with the nanomoles per liter, and I don't think I could do the conversion in my head right now. <laughs> but if anyone needs that, um, shoot us an email and I'll try and um, get those details for you. A really safe dose of vitamin D that we'll often use is about 4,000 IU a day. So um, that is so, so safe. But there's there's even um, dosages of up to 50,000 IU that might be used, say, once a week for women who are really deficient. But we'll base those prescriptions based on um, their, their serum levels as well. Um, so vitamin D is my 
favorite and most overlooked fertility aid or part of that preconception care plan. Um, now, obviously, most women know that they should be taking folate, and I specifically mean folate, not folic acid. Um, folic acid is the synthetic, um, obviously, man-made version of folate. So, folate is your naturally occurring B9, um, and um, as mammals, because we are mammals, we can't synthesize folate um, endogenously, so like within our body. So, we've got to rely on it from dietary intake, so from the food we eat and supplementation. And folate is important because it affects the cells that are rapidly dividing and growing. And so that's why it's essential for human development because um, cells that are rapidly dividing, like when an embryo is dividing. Um, so you can imagine that that's, you know, the highest rate of division that's going to happen within the body and that turnover of cells and everything else. So it's essential for that DNA synthesis, the gene expression, as well as even prenatally before conception, the quality of the oocyte or the egg um, and the maturation of that egg as well as involved is also involved with folate levels um, and it also helps to regulate you know red blood cell production and those sorts of things too and i think um, most women are familiar with you know the recommendations because you know we've all been taught yes. and told about neural tube defects and these are Absolutely. those midline structural defects you know of the brain spinal cord so it's not just a little, you know, issue of deficiency. It's a, you know, really important thing. Like you said, the the difference between folate and folate and uh, folic acid is really important. And you, you know, we were even talking about in our our seminar. You mentioned how the there is some conjecture and potential association now with the increasing rates of tongue and oral ties, you know, as a midline defect, um, exactly. looking at potential, you know, deficiencies of folate or the uses of folic acid, you know, the wrong forms, um, which could be associated with this. So it's a, it's an emerging area too, the understanding um, in that sort of realm and space, because obviously tongue and oral ties affect breastfeeding, breast, you know, cranial formation and, you know, jaw and mouth development. So um, yeah, that a lot of mums are really, you know, keen to know more about that too which is um yeah if you haven't heard of that as well then it's probably worth a little little search and find out a little bit more about that because it'd be amazing yes we could reduce all these uh you know oral sort of tie revisions because it's uh pretty brutal for these poor little babies (laughs) my my little Ella had one and I was just like oh this is just not no joy in this at all and Ash, like, aren't we seeing these in our um, patient like, population mm-hmm. more so now than ever? ever. Even at the yeah, like, you know, even at the start of my career, or even say, gosh, even five years ago, I wasn't seeing tongue ties like what I am in practice now. And I don't know if that's, um, you know, correlation because we're looking for them more and we know how to identify them. But I don't think it is, like, because they're they're dramatic and um, really easily recognisable and. Well, I think it's reflected in the, um, you know, declining rates of breastfeeding as well. So the challenges that they create for mother and baby dyad, you know, with breastfeeding is so significant for so many women that it it's basically a roadblock for continued breastfeeding. So, you know, if you sort of look at the, the declining rate of breastfeeding, you do maybe question the idea that is it because it's been so difficult for these mothers and babies? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, again, we're looking at how we can help make the journey, you know, from prenatal through pregnancy and postpartum, you know, better for both you and for baby. So, you know, you know, substituting anything that's lacking is so, so important. And I love the way you break that down of, you know, add in, take away, um, mm. you know, because th- that's just such a, an obvious thing to think, okay, what, what do I need more of? And this is some of the things we need more of. Um, for me, you know, I'm a big 
big fan of DHA. You know, yes. The, I think the way I see it is if this is, you know, a compound that makes up the, the coatings, you know, of nerve cells, then it's pretty important because yeah. the whole baby is being built on what we have or what we don't have. So it's essential. Oh, I'm about to cough. Sorry. Oh, Ash, no, that's okay. Let me take over there for a second while you cough. Um, so part of the reason why we always look at those essential fatty acids, and I'm normally um, encouraging a prescription of some sort of omega-3 fatty acids with a combination of EPA and DHA because of the regulatory effect it has on, you know, cell membranes, egg quality, it affects the ability for the embryo to implant, um, as well as the, the morphology of that embryo as well. Um, it helps with that uterine artery flow. And those essential fatty acids are those building blocks for fetal brain development as well as, um, and something we don't think about often, but as well as the building blocks for the retina as well. And there's been so much research showing that it actually affects subsequent neurodevelopment of the child later in life as well. And it helps to prevent preterm labor. But EPAs have, or sorry, um, EFA, so your essential fatty acids, have also been shown to help to prevent perinatal depression. So I just think that that is so, so good. I'm always looking for um, a combination of DHA and EPA. And the DHA, I'm hoping to be about six to 800 milligrams, with the EPA being 1,000 to 1,200 milligrams um, or something sort of close to that. Mm. Um, and they've got a lot of studies on the deficiencies as well related to things like skin conditions like eczema in, yep. in young children. So, um, again, super important because, you know, how many children are experiencing skin conditions in the early, you know, weeks and months of life? And that can relate to deficiencies. Yeah, exactly. Um, and just quickly um, with the folate, um, I think we'll probably do a separate podcast episode on folate versus folic acid because it's really complicated and really detailed. And I really want you know our audience to have a really good understanding as to why they're, if they're going to take a prenatal or if they're going to take folate, why they're choosing specific things. But I also just want you to remember that folate and so B9 and B12 work synergistically. So they should always be used concurrently as well. So in that prenatal, we want to see good levels of folate, but also good levels of vitamin B12 as well, um, which is also just critical for hormone production. Um, and without going into real like huge amounts of depth and detail into all the other nutrients we look for, the main key factors that I always um, look for, check and make sure women aren't deficient in and if um, you know we need to supplement or change um, dietary intake of things, the main things I'm looking for is your iron levels, iodine, obviously B12, like what we've talked about, magnesium, selenium, and zinc. So those are my critical, essential prenatal um, or preconceptor nutrients that I want to have in a really good prenatal with a vitamin D additional to that and your omega fatty acids additional to that. So your prenatal may contain the other sort of cofactors that we've talked about there, or we may use, um, you know, a combination of that and food-based sources as well. And if you want really specific details, we've got a beautiful chart that we can send you with a whole list of the essential preconception nutrients that um, is really evidence-based. So that's part of the add-in. Now, whenever we're looking at the takeout section, obviously we're reducing, you know, medications um, or other supplements that might be contraindicated. We're taking out um, and 
obviously, you know, those those medications, we want to be um, looking at things like the statins, the PPIs, obviously reviewing the contraceptive choices. Are they using non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like Nurofen or ibuprofen or something like that? So anything that's going to suppress steroid hormone production, we obviously need to be aware of. Um, but obviously, you know, chat to your GP or your primary care practitioner about those things. We want to be looking at the stresses and the, and the stress patterns, making sure the sleep habits are optimal, taking out any of those um, endocrine disruptors from, you know, our environment, our personal care products, you know, looking at the chemical exposures, radiation, caffeine, all of those sorts of things. And especially for the fellas, making sure they're not cooking or um, overheating their testicles, which will be dramatically affecting the health of their swimmers. So using um, saunas and spas, putting laptops on their lap, all of that sort of stuff we want them to be um, conscious of. And Even then, lots of cycling, you know, I've had, uh, you know, conversations with cyclists because obviously they spend a lot of time in the salad all very hot between the thighs and, you know, it can be an impact. So sometimes something benign as exercise can actually be uh, a problem. Yeah, you are absolutely right. And um, the things that are non-negotiable for me, so these are the, we sort of, we've talked about adding in, taking out, changing Um, So the absolute eliminations are smoking, alcohol, obviously any recreational drug use, um, and then your processed sugar, trans fats, and mercury-containing fish. And then what are we checking? So, you know, let's have a look at their body weight because obesity is really going to affect um, ovulation, egg quality, ability to conceive, hormone production um, for both men and women. We're going to check their nutrition. We're going to do um, bloods and look at all of their um, you know, nutrient levels to see if we need to change anything. I'm always checking uterine position in my patients. We're doing menstrual cycle tracking or basal body temperature if required. I know this sounds like so much, so it's only if required. Um, and then you know, maybe doing an ultrasound if we need to check, you know, antropological count or anything along those lines. Um, And obviously, um, it escalates from there. But essentially, we're looking at what we add in, take out, change or check, and then those essential, essential nutrients. Love it. Amazing. Cool. And do you know, I think what I find fascinating too, you know, we, we talk about this, some of the most potent sources of all of these nutrients we're talking about are actually, um, you know, animal-based products. So I apologize to all the vegetarians and vegans, yes. but, you know, things like eggs, your, your um, grass-fed, grass-raised, grass-finished livestock, so red meats, you know, the, the chicken, um, pretty well, if I looked through all the things we can be deficient in, most of those things can be sourced in a animal-based product, which is yeah. quite interesting, right? You know, if you think about evolutionary yeah. biology and why the human species has evolved the way it has, um, yeah, like it or not, unfortunately, you know, uh, even if we disagree with the ethics of, you know, livestock, we have developed thanks to the quality of the substrates we've consumed and that a lot of that time was, uh, you know, animals we hunted, you know, helped us grow bigger brains and smarter, smarter brains and smarter bodies. So, um, yeah, if you're not sure, I always say go nutrients first, have a look at some of the, the food sources that are high in concentration. Um, but I definitely noticed that I, uh, thought about things like, you know, the quality of the eggs, you know, that we, we ate rather than caged and all that sort of stuff, looking at uh, where I would get them from, organic where possible and uh, free range. Just, you know, just the the quality of the source becomes really, really important in preconception nutrition. 
Yeah, and um, Ash, I think like doing a an episode on um, you know conceiving as a plant based conception or something along those lines, it, it would be worth its own episode because it's it's not impossible, but you do, I do feel like that is one of the most important times where you need to get advice from um, a really switched on practitioner who can help you make sure all of your levels are right and that you're getting everything that you need um, because it definitely makes it a bit harder. Um, It's certainly not impossible, but I would certainly suggest um, working with someone who knows exactly what they're doing and who is um, skilled in in these sorts of things. So, um, Ash, look at, we've just listed like literally three podcast episodes that we need to record from this. We're just making more work for ourselves, but um, I'm going to write them down. (laughs) Beautiful. Love it. So, ladies, I hope that's given you some insights into some of the areas to consider for yourself and for your partner or, you know, whoever's the the person providing the sperm. Um, We do need to you know consider the health of that individual as well and that we do have a huge responsibility but it's not ours alone to bear um so it's great where we can get good advice and learn some things about you know quality food sources and nutrition and balancing our nutrient levels um with sometimes supportive supplementation quality supplementation which ones you know how much and i think today we've run through a lot of those things but you'll probably find uh andrew leaving a list for you because we've uh, talked about a lot of really interesting things today and um i really love the way you've broken it down though andrew into you know add in take away um to change or to you know eliminate i think that's just a really crucial um grid to go through and then each each of us can just work through that in our own life you know what what applies to us which is really helpful yeah awesome um thanks ash and you did great i think your voice held out really well (laughs) small coughing fits in the middle but thank goodness for a mute button right (laughs) no you did great um so ladies thanks again for joining us on wellness women radio um we would love for you to please make sure that you've subscribed to us on itunes or spotify or whatever medium it is that you're using to listen and download this um make sure you give us a five-star rating because uh you know i just love that and it gives me that really good dopamine dump and totally makes my day. <laughs> um, but ladies, we also want to know what it is that you want to hear as well. Um, I know we've covered quite a lot on pregnancy, um, you know, pediatrics and all of that sort of thing late, lately. Um, so please, please let us know if there's a, a really burning topic that you'd love for us to cover. Um, you can certainly email us at info at thewellnesswomen.com.au is probably the easiest way. Um, but ladies, you have been listening to The Wellness Women We are Dr. Andrea Huddleston and Dr. Ashley Bond. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.